everyone. Welcome to the Felicity Optimist versus Cynic podcast with us, your hosts, Melissa and Fish. This is a Felicity Rewatch podcast. We'll watch an episode each week and joining here to talk about it. And just a reminder, you know, this is not a spoiler free episode of our podcast. So we will probably talk about things that come up in other episodes of Felicity as we go. But if you're into it, just stick with us. It's a fun podcast anyway. Uh, and having said that, we want to preface this conversation with, I guess, a spoiler for this episode and the next episode to just say that uh, we want to give a warning. This episode does contain content about rape. And if you or anyone you know is dealing with sexual violence in your or their life, we want to give a resource up front for that. Um, and that resource that we'll give is for the National Sexual, Sexual Assault Hotline. Um, it's also known as RAIN. You might have heard of it. You can find them at www.rain.org. That's RAIN with two N's, R-A-I-N-N.org, or the number 1-800-656-4673, which is their hotline number if you need to talk to somebody. So we wanted to put that one up front here. And I'll go ahead and introduce myself. I'm Melissa, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Fish. Fish, how are you doing today after this episode? Well, this is a tough episode, I'll say, but I think there's a lot for us to dig into. Yeah, agreed. Um, So this one was called Drawing the Line, Part 1. This is a two-part episode that we're embarking on here. Uh, You might have noticed that by the To Be Continued that was at the end of this one. So Drawing the Line... Part one is from season one, episode seven. It originally aired November 10th, 1998. It was directed by Ellen Pressman and written by J.J. Abrams. And it's described this way. Noel tires of hearing about Felicity's goings-on with Ben and forbids her to talk about it with him. Julie and Zach's relationship intensifies. Elena reveals she may be leaving school. Julie's date pushes her too far. Felicity tries to mend fences with Ben. I think it's interesting the way they did that episode description. There's a lot of stuff and a lot of short sentences there. And that kind of feels like the episode. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Fish. Where do you want to start here? So I think with the warning at the front, we will talk about uh, Julie and Zach and the rape that occurs. But we'll do it more towards the end of the podcast uh, because it happens towards the end of the show. So I kind of wanted to start with a few themes that we've seen here. First one is just what Felicity brings up at the start. And in her words, it's, when is it okay to be a Budinsky? And I think it's very interesting because we see her intervening multiple times and the self-realization that she has, that she is in fact a Budinsky. And we've seen what happens with Ben and the paper, and that is a clear no. But then we start looking at all these other gray areas. So in this episode, we've got Elena with her financial aid in her file. And to me, at least, it seemed like the episode was saying, yes, it's okay for Felicity to interfere in this. And I don't know what other people's thoughts on this are, I'm not 100% sure that the answer is yes, but we can go through that. We've got Julie with uh, what's going on with Zach, and it seems like, yes, there's a a role for Felicity to 
to play in that. And then there's this idea of, is it okay for Noel to kind of be a Budinsky as he has been between the Felicity and Ben relationship? And I think they're saying it's okay if he's okay with it, but he doesn't seem okay with it. But I think that there's also a very clear line with Megan. And is it okay to be a Budinsky around her box? Mm-hmm. What do you think about that, Melissa? Yeah, I like the way that you framed it because I basically was framing it in a similar way in my own notes with different words. So I was looking at the relationship in this episode between boundaries, the ones we set, the ones we receive, how we react to it, and asking for and accepting help. And one person's boundary may be another person's I'm trying to help you. So it's sort of like, uh, I, you know, I think there's not one definitive answer that we get in this episode. I think that what we're meant to take away is that there's context for everything. And that part of the context is understanding the person that you're dealing with and really trying to respect their needs, respect their wishes and You know, I I think if you're looking at it from that standpoint, it's a really uh, wobbly sort of line here that I don't think that you come away from this thinking the show definitively thinks you should be doing this or you should not be doing this. I think I think this will also be explored more in the next episode as well. And, you know, it's Felicity. So I feel like to a degree we've been talking about boundaries this whole time. So. You know, I think that what's great about it is that it gives fodder for us to have a conversation about it because I don't think they're painting every single situation here with exact same brush. I think it really is uh, something that requires context. I think that makes sense. I don't think that Felicity always has all the context she needs, but she has to make a decision. So I do feel like the show, in the way that Felicity's relationships improve or don't improve or what the fallout is. I think the show does take a position on a number of these questions, even though viewers may or may not agree with them. But I think it's interesting that we've just seen an episode where Felicity completely is a Budinsky with Ben. I'm going to keep saying Budinsky because it's fun. Uh Budinsky. You do Um, you. Yeah. And so we've seen this episode where she's written Ben's paper, rewritten Ben's paper. It's a clear no. She says, you know, I'm meddling and this is not good. She says it to Sally. Her relationship is gone from going towards a friendship or maybe romantic to just nothing, as Ben himself says. Mm-hmm. That was but heartbreaking. It was. But I love the device that they use where they actually show you Noel trying to set a boundary and using this RA meeting as his psychiatrist and (laughs) self-help group. When the show opens, we see him laying on a couch with his head supported by a pillow, with his arms kind of across his chest like he's uncomfortable. And you would think he's talking to a psychiatrist, but really he's talking to this group of RAs 
who all know he's talking about himself, which is hilarious. And they all seem to know exactly what he should do. And so they say, you need to draw this line. It's not okay for her to keep talking about this other guy. You don't want to be one of her girlfriends. And he keeps coming back to them to say, well, I chickened out. I didn't draw the line. And then he comes back again. I drew the line, but she was really pissed. Mm-hmm. And what I, one thing I liked was, you know, the group says it's normal. It's normal for the person you're drawing a line with to be pissed and you need to hold to it. And then he sort of decides, well, I, I want to redraw the line. And everyone throws their hands up in the air and says, no, don't do it. Which of course he then does. And I do agree that you want to be consistent when drawing boundaries, but your line can change and you just need to have open communication about that. They sort of lose me when they say, if you redraw the line, you risk her drawing a line. And my question is, why is that bad? You set boundaries, she sets boundaries, you respect those, you communicate with each other. And I think they get to the heart of it towards the end where they say, just stop playing games. And I would reiterate that. Mm -hmm. If you are trying to put boundaries up, don't play games with them. Mm -hmm. Be serious about it. Be consistent. Be open. Communicate. And it's where Noel finally ends up, we think, that he can stay friends with Felicity if he wants to have a relationship with her in any way. But this idea of really playing games with boundaries, it, um, I don't know, that part bothered me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love that this topic was tackled so head on in this episode. We've talked about boundaries before in this show, but I think this showed them in the context of what I believe will be and probably currently is or is becoming a healthy relationship. So I think it kind of shows, uh, shows us a roadmap for some things to discuss about boundaries. And, you know, I love that, you know, Noel's just sort of wholesale taking the advice of his RA friends who were trying to give him advice in the context of advice he's supposed to be passing along to an advisee. (laughs) I mean, it was just so convoluted and yet everybody knew except him that they were all talking about him and he's just taking their words and repeating them almost verbatim to Felicity, not really appreciating that he needs to blend this with his understanding of who she is for him to say, I don't want you to be my girlfriend because that's what, you know, the, the other RAs were saying to him, like, don't be her girlfriend and like, just listen to her talk about this guy. So he says, you know, I don't want to be your girlfriend. And she's like, were you ever going to be my girlfriend? <laughs> just so confused. It's like, he just, it's not the only time in this show he's going to do something like this. And it's so brilliant. And so, so just poor Noel, take the wisdom and then adapt it as necessary <laughs> for the person in question. But, you know, he, he draws this line. He gets uncomfortable with his line. She pushes back. He wants to redraw it in like the most unthought out bizarre way. It's like, okay, okay. You can talk to me about Ben, but you can't talk to me about Ben and sex. And she's like, I have, I've literally never done that. Uh, <laughs> it's like, and there's obviously already a problem. 
So I think, you know, some of the things that come up for me in this are that first of all, and I'm really glad to be able to say this in this forum, because I think a lot of times we talk about boundaries, like it's an easy thing to do. And this idea of playing games with boundaries is something they're exploring in this episode. But even in just regular life, you know, I go to social media, I see memes about boundaries, go ahead and set them. It's the best thing you'll ever do. And people are not nearly so diligent about warning boundary setters of the aftermath of it, which is really hard. Usually, even in a healthy relationship, you're usually going to get a little pushback in an unhealthy relationship. They're never going to hear it. They're never going to understand it. They're never going to be okay with it. But in a healthy relationship, it's still causing a change from the current state. And the other person may or may not be ready for that or want it. So there may be anger or bargaining or so many of these other things that we see Felicity exhibiting. She comes in red hot and she's like, who are you to draw a line? And it makes Noel want to back down. And that's what happens with the boundary normally. But if, if you meant it, if you've really thought it out, if it's a boundary set where it really needs to be set for you, you need to remain firm in it. And Felicity is a thinker. So I believe if this is a healthy relationship and she's a thinker, they should be able to get to a point where they could have a conversation about it. And she is showing that she needs to go there. At one point, she says the line is a symptom of some fundamental discord. And maybe it is. She's getting to a deeper root, which is like, why don't you want me talking about Ben? Because at the bottom of this is Noel's still interested in her. And you know, she's really trying to reconcile all that. And so it's fair for her also to set boundaries if she wants. Like you said, if she wants to set a boundary on the back of his boundary, that's fair. She should be able to do that. That shouldn't be a bad outcome. So I think for me, I guess my thoughts are all over the place here, but boundaries are not easy. They should be set thoughtfully and with intention and with sort of a resolution around them in your own heart. And then you also need to be prepared for what the other person's giving back to you. And if you really want that relationship to go somewhere, you know, you have to be able to respect their reaction and where they're coming from. So I like the complexity of how that was handled here. I agree. And I think that at least the keys for me have been communication and empathy to really come from a place of both people understanding that they want to have this relationship and they care about each other and to be able to put yourself in someone else's place and say, all right, how would I react? How is this other person reacting? What have they been through or what type of person are they that shows me why they're setting their boundaries where they are or why they're they're having the reaction they are to my boundaries. Because especially if you've had a longer relationship or one that has become intimate very quickly, there probably will be confusion and hurt feelings. And you do have to address those, as I said, in a consistent way, but also in a compassionate way. And with kind of your ultimate goal in mind and sort of understanding why you've set your boundary or why they're setting one and with the balance in your head of 
I can communicate this, this is going to make our relationship better, or I can communicate this and it may make our relationship worse. And at what point do I want to continue having this type of relationship where my boundaries can't be met? And are they movable based on how much I value that relationship in my life? So it does become very gray and it is very situational, but I think always having in your mind what you'd love the outcome to be, but if it's not going to be that outcome, where are your red lines? Yeah, I love that you said ultimate goal there. I think that if you approach a conversation about boundaries with an understanding of what your ideal outcome is, it can potentially help to soften the situation or not. You know, so if you go into a situation thinking, I need a boundary here, but I'm still want to keep us, I want a strong relationship with this person. And I think this boundary will make it stronger. Then you can communicate that in the process. Like I really value you. This is going to help me value you the most. And if they're coming back, trying to understand it, or if they're coming back, setting their own boundary, the idea is that you're hopefully both working towards an improvement in the relationship. And then, you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum, There are abusive relationships where you set a boundary because you have to protect yourself. And it's not about improving the relationship because maybe you don't feel that the relationship can ever be improved based on anything that you do. So if it's a boundary out of protectiveness, that's coming from a different place. And you have to decide for yourself what level of protection you actually need in that situation. And by all means, set a boundary, know that they're going to hate it probably. And just, just sit with that, you know, because it's still about protecting you. And then there's this gray area. Those are sort of, I guess, opposite ends of the spectrum. And then there's the whole middle where it's not going to become the best ever relationship and it's not going to be the most abusive relationship, but you're just trying to find ways to communicate and find ways to manage the relationship so that you can both get as much as you can from it. Absolutely. And I think it is important to be able to say, I can walk away from this if it is an abusive relationship and your boundaries aren't being respected. That is an outcome that may occur. And that's okay. It's okay with any, any relationship that you may have. Yeah. I've got to tell you, (laughs) setting a boundary in an abusive relationship is catastrophic and it can be, can, can can lead to like real backlash. And in my life it has many, many times. And at the end of the day, you have to find a way to be strong enough in yourself that you can remember why you said it that perhaps the harsh reactions you may get could be validation for why you need the boundary. And if you're, if you know why you said it to begin with and you hold in that, you do need to find a way to sort of bolster your self-confidence in the process because you might not be getting validation from the sources you wish you would be getting it from. And so, you know, if that is a situation that you're in, especially if it's an abusive situation, I'm with you. (laughs) It's not an easy process. But, you know, boundaries are hard no matter what. Sometimes they can be really, really hard. And if you've ever been through that process, you know that it takes courage and it takes strength. 
But if you can find your way through that, there can be peace on the other side of it. You know, in a healthy relationship, hopefully on the other side of the boundary is a better understanding of each other, or at least a better respect for each other's needs. So boundaries, it's easy to talk about them like they're the same thing in all this, in all situations, but they're really not, you know, you're going to get different outcomes and you have to sort of find a way to prepare yourself for various eventualities of drawing a line, like they say in this episode. Absolutely. And in my experience, one of the reactions to drawing a line with one person in an abusive relationship is it affects a number of your other relationships. And Mm -hmm. then you have to draw lines with all of them. So it can become a bit of a convoluted process and one that takes time. But I would say stick with it and find your own help and support, whether it's an RA group or a family member or friends, someone who's been through this before, books, really go to all the resources. We have the internet now. So there is a lot out there that can be very helpful in this process. And we are two people who have successfully set boundaries and our lives are better for it. So remain hopeful. Another thing that I've done that I might recommend to some people out there is like, if there was a specific thing that I was dealing with, like a specific type of boundary or with a specific type of person in my life, I might actually like go to the internet and look up an article about it from, you know, a professional who knows something about it. And then I'd scroll down to the comments. And I think it's really interesting to read comments from people who are dealing with something similar. I would sometimes find that I would start feeling angry on behalf of somebody describing a situation that they were going through. And then after like 30 minutes, I'd sit there and I go, huh, if you replace the Cheetos with a can of Pringles, that's me. Why can I be feeling protective or angry of a stranger? And for myself, I, you know, haven't found a way to feel that, you know, I feel like I've, I've deserved what I'm getting or it's okay for somebody to do what they need and me not to have my boundaries. And, you know, like sometimes just the process of really seeing how I reacted to similar situations from other people helped to give me more understanding of where my limits were and more understanding of where my, um, I guess my weaknesses were in the process and help me understand how to overcome them and where I wanted to overcome them. So there's a lot of different resources out there and you just find the ones that are easiest for you. And again, you could be moving towards a better relationship or a protect, you know, protecting yourself or anything in the middle. But I think boundaries that takes a certain aptitude and courage to set them no matter what the situation is. But ideally, they're leading you towards some version of a better life. And that's the thing to remember here. And this is one of the reasons that I love being friends with Melissa, because she is a deeply empathetic person. Oh, fish. (laughs) So I was very confused by Ben in this, Mm -hmm. because he is not communicating at all, which is very frustrating. He is clearly a boundary has been violated and everybody knows it. But instead of talking about it or instead of saying, I need some time, he gets 
really passive aggressive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he's snapping at her and he's saying hurtful things and she's trying to apologize. But then at the end, yeah, which I find very odd. So he does talk to Blair. Blair says she's a great girl over their wonderful game of quartermaster. Mm -hmm. which seems so awesome. One of Sean's new inventions. Yes, which appears to be a very small version of, is it curling? Like shuffleboard or like, or like shuffleboard? Yeah, it's, yeah. Like a, it's like a portable <laughs> shuffleboard game with quarters and colors and they didn't understand it. They didn't want to play it again. So it uh, failed oh. whatever <laughs> test Sean was winning out there. <laughs> Uh, it's hard to tell whether they wanted to abort the mission because they hated Quartermaster or neither of them were comfortable in this conversation. <laughs> but oh, Blair I, I and Ben feel... didn't feel it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it was both. Uh -huh. It was definitely, definitely both, but Ben clearly ended it. And if anyone noticed, Sean kept giving like random points to the same number. <laughs> I mean, sorry, to the same color. So yeah, this clearly was not a, a well thought out game. Also quarters, if anyone's actually played quarters, completely different. And it's a drinking game. It's not shuffleboard. Mm -hmm. So lovely take on um, quarters. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so Blair says that Felicity is great. And then he goes on to explain to Ben what Felicity did for Elena, which again, seems like a violation of a boundary that she didn't ask about, mm -hmm. did not communicate to Elena about. But based on that information, Ben is just fine with what Felicity did now. Yeah. And they're going to go sit down and have a conversation. Yeah, that was a hard. So, uh, you know, there are two different things here. And I think, you know, maybe let's, I think we were starting with talking about Ben here. So let's talk about that. And then we could talk about Blair and Elena, you know, with Ben. I think, and this is where, you know, this will affect my ranking or my, my rating of this episode. I think that the Ben stuff in this episode was like, we need to get Ben from here to here, but holy smokes, we have a lot of other stuff to do mm -hmm. in this episode. I think that was literally the problem. They did so much in this episode and this was what got shortchanged, no pun intended, or maybe pun intended, you know, I'm going to own that one. Quartermaster shortchanged. Um, so thank you. Thank you. So I, I think that's what the problem was here. I think they said at the beginning of this episode, Ben needs to be icy, chilly with Felicity. They haven't made up. He's not okay with it. He's been sitting with it. He feels worse. That's where he is. And by the end of the episode, they need to be talking. And there was a reason they want them to be talking by the end of the episode, I guess. So they wanted him to chart that course in this episode of television without really giving him any time to do it. And so they just sort of like, were like, well, what of the other things we're talking about here would give any reason at all <laughs> for Ben? <laughs> To come back to Felicity, because we don't have time to have a lot of scenes between Ben and Felicity where they talk about their feelings. So you get the icy conversation in the cafeteria. You get him saying, I'm not mad at you. I'm nothing. And he said that. He said other things in a very passive aggressive tone. That one almost seemed a defeated tone to me. He started there. And then 
yeah, you're right. Like he finds out that Felicity has helped Elena and now he's cool with her and he wants to sit down with her in the cafeteria. For me, it didn't ring true. It didn't make sense. And I really believe they just needed to get there in their relationship by the end of this episode. I'm personally not really sure why, because I I remember what the next episode looks like. And I I don't think this was vital here, but they did it. And so that's that's the writing. Yeah. I felt like Ben was mad. His tone sounded mad, even when he said the I feel nothing piece. Mm. It it sounded like he was mad to me. So that's why I thought it was passive aggressive. He's clearly just mad and kind of trying to hurt her or at least put some distance between the two of them by pushing her away. Mm-hmm. But he never says, go away, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and give me some time. I don't want to hear it right now. He's just letting her in the door, looking for her notebook. He doesn't say when she's at the door or he comes down and she's already been let in by Sean to talk about his idea book at length. Let's talk about that for just a second before you resume. (laughs) (laughs) I just love the way they're writing Sean right now because he, I think this is how they write Sean forever, baby. (laughs) Um, He, again, I just think of him as a bull in a giant shop and, you know, he is not, he is certainly not a master of subtlety himself. And he definitively does not understand subtlety when it comes from other people. And Felicity wasn't being subtle. He he lets her in the door. She wants to talk to Ben. He needs to not be in the room. And she is keeping, she is clipping her sentences and nodding aggressively to try to like encourage him out of the room. (laughs) It was very, so great, that scene. And it was just a subtlety for us to enjoy in, in the acting of it, but not a subtlety for either of the two to play it. You know, it was just like, oh, how could he just not notice her very clear cues? She wants to be alone. <laughs> it was brilliant. I mean, uh, she gave him the giant opening of mentioning a notebook. So hmm. clearly she wanted him, his input on how much notebooks mean to him and his life and then to find out about all of the ideas that uh that he has (laughs) it's like oh this is a great conversation with the wrong human (laughs) (laughs) oh but you were saying about ben i just i had to interject with that no i mean they need these moments of humor and they're you know sprinkled throughout the entire episode because it is such a heavy episode. So I think picking up on those is is wonderful. Now, if I can remember where I was going with Ben, you know, I was saying that he he is mad and when he comes downstairs, he could have just said to her, I'll look for your notebook, I'll bring it to class. Mm-hmm. Here's the door. Mm-hmm. Or I'm not ready to talk to you, but he doesn't say that. Just like Felicity doesn't say to Sean, I don't want to talk to you. Uh I want to talk to Ben. (laughs) There's so many people that just don't say what they mean. And speaking of people who say what they mean, Uh we can move on to Elena at this point. She does say what she means. She's also very secretive in this episode. And I found it to be very interesting. 
And we have to remember that the 90s were sort of the anti-PC times. Bill Maher came out and was talking about not being PC. He had a whole TV show about it. And things like affirmative action were very much being discussed in in terms that are very different from today. Uh Uh, I would say maybe being anti-PC can be seen maybe as the opposite of being woke in some ways, but Elena is hiding evidence that she's on financial aid and she's doing it for a good reason because she had financial aid at a high-end prep school that she went to and everybody knew and at least in her experience, it felt like they knew that she was getting money because she was poor and black in her words. And so she very much identified it with her race. And she made this promise to herself that she was not gonna be a cliche. And sort of the 90s cliche is people who are black or African-American and them taking affirmative action, taking spots that are that they're not qualified for or in some way don't deserve. You know, that was a a very open conversation that was had. And it is completely different from today where we recognize that the playing field is not even and making sure that everyone does at some point in their life get an opportunity to succeed, it feels more in popular culture that that's where we are heading, whereas that is not the discussion that was going on in the 90s. I think there are a lot of things about this storyline that different elements of how this storyline unfolds deeply impact Elena psychologically. I mean, first of all, she isn't the only character. There will be other characters as well who have like a thing that they feel really uh, self-conscious about and they assume that everybody else is thinking a certain way and whether or not we don't necessarily know that everybody in her prep school knew that she was a scholarship kid. Like we, we don't know that we know that from her perspective that she felt that everybody was knew that about her. And for her, the feeling that they knew was causing her to feel uncomfortable, was causing her to feel like she didn't fit in. It was causing her to feel what all the things that she felt, right? But we don't actually know anything about the other kids in the school and what they knew about her. We know that she, that she had a really strong reaction to it herself. And for her, it seems like it's really important that she sort of blend in in the environment that she like looks like she fits in, in terms of, I guess, keeping up from a class perspective. And it also seems that it's really important to her to earn what she earns based on merit, because we know that the scholarship that she was supposed to get that she's no longer going to get. And this is, by the way, a heck of a time to find that out in the middle of a semester. But nonetheless, she finds out that her scholarship isn't going to happen. And it was a merit-based scholarship And that's really hard for her to swallow. She earned that scholarship. She's a hard worker. She's really determined and she earned it. She thought she had that. And so there are a few things happening there, but then to go beyond that, you know, she has been keeping up appearances as much as possible for her friends, even her closest friends. And I look at her dorm room and she's like, just really classy. You know, she's got like curtains, like nice curtains and blinds. 
that she obviously brought to school that, you know, you look at Felicity's room, it's just like brown everywhere. Just like, (laughs) like, did you decorate a thing? Probably not. Right. Elena's, you know, looks, looks like she has real taste and she's thought very carefully about how she decorated her room. She thinks a lot about how she dresses. She has a sense of style and, you know, she has been keeping up appearances for her friends. They don't know what she's been dealing with. And even when Blair finds out, Elena lies to him about her situation. So for him to come back to her saying, you know, Felicity found the perfect scholarship for you. I'm giving it to you. We want to help for Noel to have a conversation with her probably makes her feel disempowered because she never was able to disclose that herself and didn't want to disclose it herself. So The hardest thing for me in this storyline is like, yeah, it's great that they're helping her and it's great that she's accepting help, but she was not given the, she was not empowered to tell her own story in this situation. And for me, that's the hardest part. Yeah. I do think that what Noel comes in and says to her is very important. Mm -hmm. And I think he actually has the best conversation with her and almost brings a more modern thought to this because I will say I went to a prep school in the 90s and everybody knew who was on scholarship Mm. and there was a lot of blatant racism uh, not just between the students but fully endorsed by the faculty Mm. I mean whole events that were held that today even then I mean, are just shocking. So I can understand her wanting to hide this. But when Noel comes in and he says how hard it is to get financial aid and how many things you have to apply for, and the fact that he's brought on debt, um, and he says, you know, that I'll be worrying about till I'm 30. Of course, now we, we think about it and we'll be worrying about it until we hit 40, 50, 60. Mm-hmm. So, he does say that no one cares how you pay for college, which at the time when you're in college may not be true. And it actually probably isn't true in the job market either, as we see from who gets hired. But he does say you will be judged if you don't go to college. And that and debt are a whole different conversation that that we're having today. Mm-hmm. But what I found was probably a really important thing for him to say is, that he would take the scholarship with no humility and no shame. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, the really important piece here. There is nothing shameful about her taking a scholarship and staying in school. And I think that resonates with her because she then starts looking into it and she calls, you know, Dr. Alicia Simmons. And she has this conversation with her and they're able to bond over the fact that they're both, well, Dr. Simmons is is a medical professional now and Elena wants to be. And I love sort of the ending of that where Dr. Simmons says to Elena, basically, don't pay me back, pay it forward. Mm -hmm. And that is the kind of community help that just is available in the white community that isn't necessarily as available in other communities, especially of color. You know, we mm-hmm. do the same thing with women's groups, women's networks, and 
sort of helping each other get into fields that have been male dominated, you know, there is that support system there. So that is the part that I really liked about it. I do agree that Felicity looking at her file may not have been the best thing. I I don't know what I would do in that situation. To me, because everything works out and because Elena says thank you at the end, it does seem like the show is saying this is all right for Felicity to have done. But we have to remember, I mean, I think it's, it's nice that Blair and Felicity get together to support each other and to kind of pick each other up. But I don't know, I, I'm still having a bit of a problem with them looking at her file. I've got no problem with them. You know, Blair saw her at the financial aid office. If Felicity found something that fits with her, great, hand it to her. It's looking at her file that I'm still not really comfortable with. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a good point. And again, I think for me, it's it's about, you know, sh- I would like to think that she, it would be nice if they could have just gotten to a place where they could ask her and have a conversation with her and not get the information without her consent. That, that for me is the toughest part of this. And a part where I think she'd rightly feel violated to know that they had done that. On the other hand, it's like not great that she was just out and out lying to Blair about who she was. That's something he should probably take a look at. And I think he was being really patient with that piece. So I, you know, I think it's really complicated and you definitely kind of understand where everybody's coming from. There's not like a great, and also just because the outcome of this is that Elena says, thank you, does not mean that the outcome of Felicity being a Budinsky is always going to be that and hasn't always been to this point. We're going to see even more examples of it coming up. So I think, you know, there's just a lot going on with all of this. And I also agree that Noel's conversation with her was really important. That one piece that you were noting when he says, you know, people might not be thinking about how you paid for college, but they are going to be thinking if you didn't go at all. And so I think for him to be so blunt as to say, so you think dropping out is better? Let's just step back for a second and think about what you're about to do, because this is not the path to what you want. So it was a very important moment where he just sort of shook her loose and was like, just just put a try to put a little perspective around this for just a moment if you can. And then I think it's really good that she has this phone conversation that we don't get to see. But I imagine what that was, you know, with Dr. Alicia Simmons and Elena starts talking about this woman to Felicity later, really proud of her. You know, she's telling her about this woman's achievements and the connection she felt. And my hope is that not only is Elena getting this scholarship, but she's also got something of a mentor of a woman who's been through what she's trying to go through. You know, this woman has followed, has taken the path that she wants to follow and can be a resource for her in a lot of different ways. It's a very generous offer with very generous terms. And I love the idea that they set it up as a pay it forward so that she can help the next generation. And I think that probably helped seal the deal for Elena, um, that she doesn't feel like she owes this woman. She feels like she owes the future. And so, yeah, I I like where they went with it. I think there's a, a lot of complexity to this situation. And, you know, I'm glad we're going to get more Elena. Absolutely. Love, love Elena. It would be really sad if she left the show. And, it, you know, I do think it's very important to remember that she's a med student. 
her goal is in large part academic and then practical. It's not like she could just leave school and become an entrepreneur and then be a doctor. That's not the way the medical field works. Mm -hmm. So while it may be an option for other people, it wasn't as much of an option for her. I did just want to highlight. So first of all, I thought it was amazing of Blair to come and bring her uh, the Ben Webster Mm -hmm. vinyl record and a record player. And I love that scene where after she's had the conversation with Noel, she sits back and she puts the record on and they're playing beginning to see the light, Mm -hmm. which I love that song. I love Ella Fitzgerald's version of that song, but it, you know, it's this, this wonderful moment where it's bluesy and you've got the saxophone going and you've got her kind of sitting back and listening to this famous song and thinking about, okay, like, let me think about my life a little differently. Mm-hmm. Let me think about my choices a little differently. And to be surrounded by someone like Dr. Simmons, Blair, Ella, Ben Webster, like all these people, these wonderful people of her community in seeing the light for herself, I, I think was particularly moving. Yes, I think it was a great scene of self acceptance and a great scene of like, I'm going to put my pride down for a minute. I'm going to try this new path. I have one beef with this part of the episode, which is so she had thrown out the application for the scholarship and decided I'm going to get it out of the trash and I'm going to fill out that I'm going to pursue this. I'm going to see what this is all about. So instead of fishing through the trash, to find the one piece of paper that she needed, which was probably at the top, because how long has it really been? She dumps out the entire trash on her floor. She bed. flips I she the trash it... bin over. Was not her bed? It might have been the bed. It might have been, the, I don't know. All I know is who does this? Why would you dump out every single thing that you put in the trash? Flip the whole can over, dump every single thing out just to find the one thing that's probably at the top. I, I know I'm focusing on the wrong thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it just ruined the moment for me because it was like this wonderful scene of self-acceptance. And then I see her grab the whole trash bin and I was like, oh, what a mess. <laughs> well, in all fairness, it did look more like a recycling bin. There weren't used food containers and such in it. It was just paper. Mm-hmm. So that I felt was okay. And it felt like an empowering moment. Getting on your knees and fishing through the trash, I feel like is less empowering than grabbing the bin, standing up and just dumping it all in your bed to find what you want. It, it was a moment thing. So you're feeling yeah. like soiling your bed with all your trash? <laughs> no, no, it was just paper. Like <laughs> again, no used yogurt containers. Like it was just paper. I looked at it because I because you like, also oh. noticed the moment. <laughs> I noticed. So weird. I did notice the moment. Yeah. It was. I Ugh. feel like it was also in slow motion. Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But she's just trashing her trashing her room, literally. Just you know, um, one of those funny moments that yeah. we can look back on. Let's look at another funny moment. Let's do that. Megan in the box. We finally mm-hmm. get Megan in her box. Mm-hmm. What a great little thing that will carry on for so much of this show. 
Megan has a box and Fish and I stopped the episode on the box, trying to read everything that was on it and still came away with nothing. I don't understand any of the stickers that were on it, not a one. So that was not as fruitful as when we tried to stop the episode looking at how she had decorated her dorm room. This we came away with more questions than we did answers. That's okay, though. Sometimes that happens in life. And that's really also meant to be how you feel about what's inside the box. Because the first thing we get from her, she's interrupting Felicity and she's shaking it. And she's like, did you look in my box? (laughs) And the questions will just continue from there. Did you pick it up? Did you shake it? She's making Felicity very curious about what's inside. But at the same time, Felicity didn't really care before this whole thing started. Well, she didn't even know the box existed. I mean, no. as she says it, we don't really know. I mean, maybe, maybe we don't see it. And she really did shake the box. I mean, Megan seems to think it moved. Uh-huh. So I'm just saying Felicity has been known to be a Budinsky. Uh-huh. And if there was anything to be a Budinsky about... I mean, if my roommate was standing above my bed looking like a scary clown, mm-hmm. clutching that box to her chest and asking me whether I had shaken it or not, I'd be finding that box. I want yeah. to know what's in it. Yeah. I mean, it would make you more curious. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, at one point, Megan gets so upset about it all that she's like, I'm taking my box with me. And Felicity says, please take your box with you. (laughs) Megan goes, reverse psychology is not going to work on me. I just love it. In a matter of seconds, Megan made all of us want to know what's inside the box. It took seconds. Yep. I don't remember what's in the box. So they never actually said there is going to be a sort of self-contained bottle episode. And I want to say season two, where they give a sort of a dreamlike kind of scenario, but it's not meant to be the actual answer. My understanding is that even the writers didn't know what was inside the box. So, or they're just gonna, it's gonna be great. This is gonna get better and better. She did shake the box. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I heard some stuff moving around. It's clearly not empty, but tell us listeners, what do you think is in the box? Yeah. We would like to know, what are your theories? Yeah, we want to hear from you, especially and for those who have seen further along and have more clues, don't be shy. Just just jump in and let us know. A big thing here for Megan is obviously privacy, which seems to be most important around the contents of this box. But, you know, privacy really is the theme of an, the episode in a way. So there's that. I guess she's finding her way to contribute <laughs> to the theme overall. But to be fair... Felicity had a box too. It's something we know as the refrigerator. What is, what do we call the fridge of independence? Independent. Um, so, you know, what did she do with that box with the fridge of independence? She, she took out the apple and she put in a jar of, I can't believe it's not butter and underwear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't have a privacy clause here. These two roommates. They haven't discussed it, but Megan seems to think that she's had a conversation with Felicity about it and all the rules have been laid out and she clearly dreamed that don't mess with my box mm-hmm. seemed to be one of those clearly written rules that Felicity has now violated. But I do have an award to give here. You do. I do. And it is for best present. Mm-hmm. Yes. The award does go to Melissa because at one point she gave me 
a box that was Megan's <laughs> box. And she wrote Felicity quotes all over it. So I have a version of Megan's box of my own. We call it Fish's box. And, and I still have it. And no one has ever looked in it. Uh, no one's allowed to. It's mine. And I would be very upset. And I would definitely stand over someone's bed in scary clown makeup if they ever touched the present <laughs> that Melissa gave me. Oh, I'm so proud to be an award on this podcast. And honestly, if anybody ever did find out what was inside the box, they still wouldn't understand it. <laughs> they wouldn't. No, no. She put, she just put another inside joke inside the box. Yeah, but I would be mad. I mean, we're not telling anyone. Mm-hmm. You but will we never certainly find will out. accept guesses from listeners because that would be really <laughs> fun. <laughs> Feel free to guess. Maybe we'll do a promotion at some point further down the line where where we have a picture of what's in the box and then you can guess what that is <laughs> <laughs> double bonus points to anybody who can even get close i also had an award for this episode it was most it was an award for most sketchy person and Ooh. that's whoever this guy was in dean and deluca who was ordering cappuccinos and calling felicity honey bun <laughs> we have all seen those people <laughs> Look, I've been a server and a re- I've been a woman in the world. Okay. I, I've, I've existed in this world as a woman. <laughs> and I know what it's like to be called honey bun, the equivalent, or just get eyeballed as you're walking down the street. Negative 40,000 points <laughs> to everybody who's ever thought that was okay. Look, you know what? I think there are a few women out there who like being called honey bun and who like being cat called and who, so I'm not going to say everyone has the same reaction, but just know if you're one of those guys or one of those women, maybe, I don't know, ordering cappuccinos and calling somebody honey bun that you don't know, you might be making that person extremely angry and possibly expect pepper spray. Like this is a, this is a thing. Not everybody loves it. So you've been warned folks, negative 40,000 points for him. I wasn't uh, shy. No, (laughs) I mean, that's, that's a clear, clear punishment for him. I don't know that I would call him more sketchy than our, what did we decide? Russian, Estonian purveyors of caviar and fresh locks. Did we see them in this episode? No, but this, I assume this is an award for oh, all. This is an award for this episode. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. This yeah. episode. Okay. I mean, sorry. We haven't, we haven't, listeners, we haven't gotten our like, or, you know, how we're doing these ratings sorted between ourselves. And that's okay because we can make up any rules we want. That's true. <laughs> and we do. <laughs> that's how we do it. You know what else was made up and then became a real thing? Nolcrane.com. Yeah. Yeah, it did. I'm so disappointed because I don't know why I never looked up nilcrane.com until today. And if you're looking it up today, you're not going to find anything really because it was all, it's a website that was created with Adobe Flash and that is not a thing anymore. So anything that was created with it doesn't exist. It's just like a blank page now. So I went to nilcrane.com. Here's what I do know. The page is called my life in the ghost of Leon. Those of you who've gotten as far as season two will love that. Also, if you do a search, you can find that there is still a resume 
on a page of his site. So apparently this was a site that was meant to be like his character's actual web page where he was trying to get graphic design jobs. So it has his work experience and it stops, you know, as of the show. He has, I love it, computer skills, fontographer. That's, is that ever a thing? Oh my goodness. It's so wonderful. Some of these things don't really make, like hobbies, font design. Okay. Yeah. We have seen that. 70s soul and acid jazz, cycling and snowboarding. I'm not sure if I know that he did those last two things, but maybe, maybe he did. I doubt he did them successfully. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem like that kind of guy. Nope. He also knew how to use Quark Express. Look at this guy. Whatever that is. Uh-huh. I mean, this is just, this is really a level, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure who created this, if it was the show itself or, or what they did with it. But I mean, somebody who's been willing to keep this up for 20 years. over 20 years. <laughs> Until <laughs> That's <a> commitment. Adobe, <laughs> yeah. Adobe Flash went under before NoelCrane.com. That's what they haven't taken the page down. They're still paying for a page that can't be seen. It's so great. I just love it. If anyone is passionate about this the way we are, uh, we would like the reinstatement of noelcrane.com to be updated for whatever's available now. And um, if anyone has any screenshots of what it used to look like, we will accept them gratefully. Yeah. That would be wonderful. Absolutely. Now, I, we should we should talk about, you know, where they ended the episode. Yes, I did want to highlight. It. Yes, I did want to highlight first, and I might be wrong about this. So tell me if I'm wrong. But when Felicity is sitting at the table with Elena and Julie, I think she makes her first joke when she's talking about whether she and Ben are screwing. Do you remember any other jokes that she's told in the whole show? See, that's a that's a tough question because she said a lot of funny things. Well, but they were funny to us. Yeah, they were funny oh, to were us they because they meant were as a funny. joke. Yeah, it seems like she actually was telling a joke. Well, I feel like there was a point when she was talking about when she was talking to uh, Noel about Ben uh, having sent him her paper in the mail. I want to say that she was rather self-deprecating in that one. Yeah. I don't know if I'm prepared to to say if this was her first joke or not. It's hard because she is so funny. Like the actress delivering the writing and the lines, like the situations are funny to us, whether or not she meant for them to be funny. So I laugh at a lot of the things she does in this episode. And again, it's not a joke, but no, is like saying to Felicity, what you're, you're do I'm doing to you, what you're doing to Ben, you're acting like some kind of love sick school girl. And she's like, you know what? <laughs> I am a love sick school girl. And she huffs out of the room and, you know, it's the kind of thing, like she just does stuff like that, where you find yourself laughing. It's like, well, I guess she wasn't really trying to make a joke. She was just being funny. I did like in that scene, by the way, it was like the most realistic wake up scene I, <laughs> I've seen. Like they actually gave a moment for Noel because she had just like burst into his room in the middle of the night. He was dead asleep. And then, you know, she wants to argue with him. And he's also who does that? Yeah. Who does that? She does. <laughs> Boundaries. 
set some boundaries. Also put a lock on your door. Yeah. Well, I mean, she just had been jarred by, you know, Megan. She's her roommate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so, so it is, you know, <laughs> but she goes in, she wakes up Noel. She's pretty pissed off. She wants to have an argument and he's really not with it yet. And I think a lot of times in TV and movies, like somebody will wake up and they're instantly alert, you know, like after a couple seconds. And for me, that takes like half an hour <laughs> at, at best. So, you know, the fact that they gave him like a few lines and he was like, hold on just a minute here. <laughs> I'm still waking up. I appreciated that they did that. That was, that was a real thing. And can we also just go over the other things that are going on in this dorm? Mm-hmm. So if you remember from earlier episodes, someone's roommate is potentially going to stab them. Mm-hmm. And then we've got the RAs who were joking about bulimia and running a sex line. So the guy who's urinating in the sinks. That seemed less, a little less. It was, I think, I feel like that was not as dangerous. I mean, I will say, and I, I do not know even how this happens, but in my high school, we did have a problem in the women's locker room and, and our sinks were pretty high off the ground. And there was someone who somehow got up on them and started pooping in the sinks. And so we we had all kinds of announcements and letters written (laughs) in front of the whole school, like, dear disgusting female student, please do not poop in the locker room sinks. I assume maybe they were a contortionist or something <laughs> like I, I don't know. I don't know how someone could do this. I don't but know if an open letter is the way to handle this. <laughs> I'm just saying, remember earlier in the podcasts where I told you to not let drunk guys in your room because they'll yeah. pee on anything. I mean, I feel like that's an easier, I mean, this is just, you know, it happens, but that wow. took some effort. Yeah. Effort. I mean, in a way, you almost applaud them. I mean, kind of, (laughs) right? It wasn't just once. (laughs) This is a regular occurrence for, I don't know, like a while. (laughs) Dear Pooper, tell (laughs) us your secrets. I said that. I did. Wow. Well, yeah, there was all that, you know. I mean, it's good to have some funny, some funny stuff in such a heavy episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of, there was a lot of funny stuff in here, but it had to balance out what's going to be a very heavy storyline. Zach and Julie's relationship really takes a turn here. And I can't say we didn't see some signals for this. Having looked back, looked back at some of what we learned about Zach and Julie in the relationship and it start and it starts kind of, again, you know, like fish set up top, we don't really see that there's going to be a sexual assault until the very end of the episode but there's a build-up to it here they have the most benign thing that happens with Zach and Julie you know like they they have a, a quick little kiss in public in the cafeteria and that seems fine right that seems like Elena and Felicity are like whoa but it's not you know like it's a public display of affection but they both seem game for it Zach invites Julie to do the music for 
his movie that he's working on. And, you know, she, she plays guitar. So that's simple enough. She's really flattered and honored that he would ask. And so they're working on this project together now. And then we see this scene in Julie's room where he's kissing her and he's just going way too fast. He's trying to feel her up. She keeps moving his, she keeps moving his hand away. Like it's not that it happens once and then she moves his hand away and he stops. He tries like, what was it? Three times. Um, it was just a very clear signal to us that this guy is, he's just, he's not picking up what she's putting down at all here. And we've seen, you know, he just, we've seen even in episodes before this, he doesn't really know what he's doing. He's not experienced in this area and he comes off as being needy and aggressive, even in their earlier kissing scenes. And so I feel like we've been building towards the end of this episode, all the way with him. They were a little more subtle about it initially, but in this episode, it's really hard to ignore as you get further in. Yeah, I think we've seen three times that I can think of where this this was a little bit telegraphed. So there was the first kiss or attempted kiss at the Halloween party. Mm -hmm. There was him snapping at her when she sort of kind of criticized his movie Mm -hmm. and then there's this scene you just described so i feel like most of what we what we've seen between them has been this very innocent gentle insecure but good guy portrayal of zach Mm -hmm. and i think that was done on purpose Mm -hmm. so for those of us who remembered what happened and i did remember this one. So this is why I had docked part of some of the earlier episodes. I mean, when he comes in for that first really innocent kiss in this episode, like the first time I see him on screens, I just got chills down my back, just like knowing what was happening in the future. So I don't think that they really telegraph this a lot. I think they want us to feel safe with him, mm-hmm. just like Julie felt safe with him. And this is a time when people really started talking about rape, especially something like date rape, Mm -hmm. which wasn't really part of the conversation before that. I mean, we had violent offenders, but the conversation has moved so far today to the point where boys are being educated about consent, which I think is amazing because in the 90s, Consent was not expected. The drop dead ultimate, this is a rape or not, is whether or not she says no. And that's why it's such a big deal at the end when the conversation she has with Felicity, I mean, she's clearly upset. And Felicity asks, Did you want to? And she doesn't ask, did he ask if it was okay? She asks, did you say no? Because that was the measure. Mm -hmm. If you say no, you're supposed to stop. And people were educated on that. But she has sort of so many things against her, I would say. And we'll see this in the next episode. Mini spoiler alert. They'll be talking about how or whether she reports it, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they get 
pretty far in talking about immediate aftermath from this and, you know, uh, getting herself checked out and, and reporting and, and how her friends around her deal with her and how she's coping. So they take a whole episode to really look at that. So, you know, trigger warning for those of you who wanted to know that about the next episode. We also have a lot of feedback from somebody who's worked with RAs before that I think is better in the next episode when we talk more about this, because they just kind of introduce the idea in this that Julie was raped. We don't get to see the aftermath except for Felicity's quick conversation with her. So we just get confirmation that it happened. But that's pretty much it. We do see what happens in the lead up to it. So Mm -hmm. I mean, we only see three scenes with Zach and Julie in them. And the last one, what you see is they're dating, they're drinking, they're in her room, there's no proof. It would be her word against his. Mm -hmm. So that is a way to set it up for the next episode, because these are things that would be counted against her in anything where she tried to report something. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she didn't report it right away we do get to see some of her reaction to this. And what she says is she curled up in the chair all night. And she had stripped the sheets from her bed and thrown them in the trash, I think, right? Yes. But, you know, in the, in the direct aftermath, she doesn't call the cops. She doesn't report anything. She stays in the room with him there all night. And it's not to say that that's the wrong reaction. That's her reaction. And we get to see it continue. You know, she, She's asking for her sweater back because she says it makes her feel better. So she's looking for some sort of comfort. She does strip the the sheets off her bed. I saw her folding a shirt, which made me think that she had done her laundry, Mm -hmm. probably washed the clothes. And then she says, I shouldn't be surprised. So that gives us some kind of indication that this was almost expected that she's had life experiences where something like this would be expected. One thing that I think was very interesting is that neither Felicity nor Julie want to say the word rape. Mm -hmm. They just walk around it and stop their sentences. Julie says that he was aggressive, but she looked... When I think about that second scene where we actually do get to see him being more aggressive, I mean, it is clear that he doesn't know what he's doing. Mm -hmm. But when she's pulling his hands off of her and she finally pushes him back and says, let's go slow, you look in at her face and she looks, to me, she looked kind of shaken, Mm -hmm. a little shocked by what just happened. And she'd clearly been uncomfortable. And I will say... I have been in that situation more times than I want to remember. He just didn't really say stuff. And I don't know whether it's probably still true today as a teenage girl, even though everyone is educated about consent. When you're that young and you're dating someone or you like someone and they want to go a lot faster than you do, it becomes very uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and very difficult to say no when you're feeling uncomfortable and 
sometimes they respect it, sometimes they don't, sometimes they get that you don't feel comfortable and they'll sort of try to talk you into being comfortable. Yeah, there can be some emotional manipulation that comes on the back of that. Absolutely. So then I notice in the final scene where we hear them together, this whole episode, I mean, almost the entire episode, it's been raining. Mm -hmm. And I found that was a very interesting choice. And as they go into the room, you hear just the rain coming down. And Mm -hmm. I think that does sort of foreshadow what's happening. And she says, you know, he just fell asleep when he was finished because and we'll see this more in the next episode, his reaction of him sort of saying he didn't know that he'd done something wrong. And I think that that this is why education is so important and why it's so important that we've moved beyond just saying no to actually asking for consent. Like, are you okay with this? Does it take away sometimes a little bit from the moment, yes, but I think it prevents a lot more discomfort than it probably ruins. Mm -hmm. I would be very interested to hear from listeners on this came out in 1998. I'm not sure exactly how many shows to this point had tried to deal with this topic, let alone in college, right? Because this is a really specific age, a very specific time period. And a lot of the, a lot of the things that we're going to see in terms of how they deal with the aftermath are nuanced about people for this age. So we're seeing something, I don't know how charted it was in terms of previous uh, other TV shows trying to do this before, they didn't necessarily have protocol around episodes like this. For example, we watched the DVD version, but there was not a like a trigger warning at the top of the episode. That's not something that they were doing for something like this at that time. I feel like I remember other TV shows when dealing with heavier topics might have like a couple of the actors who were in the scenes saying at the end of the episode, like if you need to call somebody, here's a number. I don't remember ever seeing that at that time or before that time about rape or sexual assault of any nature. So, you know, I'm not sure if this was something that was really out there in terms of pop culture at the time to have get a discussion going. So I guess the thing that I'm wondering about with with listeners is that I think the story that they're creating here has a lot of gray, like the way they've painted Zach to this point think about how we're describing him. He's a guy who obviously is very inexperienced, has no idea what he's doing. And in a way they've created about as much sympathy as you could possibly create for this guy who's about to be an abuser. He's doing something that is definitively not okay, but they're giving us all of this gray area. They're making it so that they were both drinking beforehand. You know, they're doing all the things that are typical it's usually a lot of gray and a lot of hard to prove a lot of he said, she said, I think when it comes to date rape, that's probably the norm. And so for some people, if you look at a storyline like this, maybe it could be offensive that they're trying to make some amount of sympathy for this character in his earlier episodes, or at least understanding him a little bit. 
And for others of us, you know, maybe we think, oh, okay, well, they're, they're going to try to unfold a story that might show more like what it looks like in the real world when you try to deal with this. So I'm, I'm curious what you think about that fish, but I'd also like to know how, how listeners react to this storyline and how it was shown here. Because there's a lot of responsibility on a show when you put a storyline like this out there to not just tell a story, but I guess to educate as well. Are they doing that here in a way that holds up that feels like it honors the situation. I don't know. What do you think, Fish? Yeah, I was a little surprised that they didn't have any type of, it usually came after the show where they would say, here are resources. If I think of something like 13 Reasons Why, there are warnings all over that and media stories and watch this together with your kids. And I think it's just a lot more responsible I guess today, but that's because we've moved that direction in mm-hmm. the culture. I think this was more groundbreaking. I don't remember there being a lot of stories at that time about this. And I would say rape in general probably happens about the same amount as it always has. And the vast, vast majority go unreported. And it has been nice to see Things like social media and popular culture and the regular media step in and reflect some changing values around the role and responsibility of both parties and the role and responsibility of the institutions that they're in. I will talk more in the next episode about something that happened on on our campus after we had both graduated, which again was, I guess, a murky enough situation that I don't think was dealt with very well. And that is a much more modern example. So from my perspective, I'm glad that they did this episode, but I'm also glad that how it's being dealt with today does have a lot more warnings and resources around it and places you can find support because I don't know that I would call it as much gray areas as what you can prove and what you can't and what goes unreported. There's there's a lot of information that just isn't out there on actual cases and burden of proof and things like that. So I'm glad culture has shifted in this way, but we will get to see, I think, a, a relatively realistic situation in the next episode and conversations around what it looks like to deal with the aftermath of something like this. Mm -hmm. And since we're on that topic, just a reminder on a resource that we shared up front, but I'm saying it again, there's the national sexual assault hotline, which is operated by RAIN, R-A-I-N-N stands for rape, abuse, and incest national network. The number to call is 1-800-656-4673. They also, you can also check out their website at www.rain.org. Again, that's rain with two N's. And we'll put that in the show notes as well so that it's not too hard to find that resource. So we want to make sure you have that in case this is a triggering episode for you or reminds you of a situation of somebody you know. But yeah, this is a this is a big one to tackle. Absolutely. This was a to be continued. We're obviously going to continue where, you know, where we left off with a very important storyline in the next episode, 
We also, as a result, didn't get a tape back from Sally, which feels appropriate for where we landed anyway. It was too much the middle of a thought to really get anything from Sally. And this isn't the time for Felicity to be talking about that anyway to somebody else. So we didn't get that. But I did want to just stop down for a second, you know, because we're ending on a heavier topic. But for me, as your resident optimist, I wanted to once more focus on something that I just briefly mentioned earlier, which is this idea of asking for help. And I saw some people doing that in this episode. I saw some people having a hard time doing that, some people accepting it, even though they didn't know how to ask for it. And I think it's a really interesting thing to look at in life. We can't do everything alone. I think Julie is about to find that out. We can't do everything alone. Sometimes you need some support and you you don't always know who you can count on until you're in the situation where you need that help. And I think it takes a lot of courage to ask for the support that you need. For some of us, you know, like I'm very much a person who's like, I'll do this myself. It's fine. I'm not going to bother this other person. And sometimes asking for help is the stronger move. So I liked that this is something that was unpacked a little bit in this episode. And I like exploring that in my own life. And I think it's a topic worth exploring in everybody's life. You know, at what point do you put your pride away and say, I actually do need some support right here. And I'm going to ask for it. It can, it can strengthen a bond. It can help you. And sometimes it even helps the other person to know that they were there for you. So I like that we looked at it here. I agree. It is very, very difficult to ask for help especially the younger you are. I think it's something that changes over time uh, as we get older. And, you know, I wish I had this much self-confidence and, you know, spunk and all the things that I have now when I was younger and ability and interest (laughs) and trust in, in kind of reaching out to other people at different points in time. So I think it's great to have that community of people that you have built trust with over time, no matter where you go. It's one of the first things that I feel when you get into a new situation, you really need to go after because you may need them. They may need you. It's it's a wonderful resource and college is a wonderful place to meet some of those people. Absolutely. Well, shall we share our thoughts about the episode overall in terms of ratings, Fish? I think that sounds good. Uh, Do you want to start or do you want me to start? I can go ahead. So for me, I liked this episode. I liked that they did do something that I think was groundbreaking, that I think they're dealing with it in a realistic way. And it gives us something, you know, to really dig into and talk about. I like that they continue with the discussion about around boundaries and sort of the discussion around race and affirmative action. They put they put a lot in this mm-hmm. show because they also gave us all these moments that were funny. So the only part that I didn't find really realistic we've talked about was Ben's forgiving and talking to Felicity at the end. So for me overall, especially since this episode is the one that initially is the introduction to the best present that I have ever gotten, I am going to give this one uh, an 8.5. Oh, look at you. 8.5 gloves. 
that's my highest rating so far. Goodness, goodness me. Well, um, I rate the episode in a different unit each time. And this time, do it in Ben Webster records. (laughs) I knew that was coming. (laughs) (laughs) You might have thought it was going to be something else, but it was Ben Webster records. So I am giving this one an eight out of 10. I think they did too much in this episode. If I really look back, they covered, they were trying to cover four major storylines and then we've got minor ones and funny moments. I think it was too much as evidenced by the just like confusing path they took for the relationship with Ben and Felicity that didn't really make sense because they didn't have time to. And I think for me, that's a pacing issue. In this episode, you know, it had the serious stuff, the emotional stuff and the funny stuff like we always see. But I think this show does a little better when it gives its scenes a bit more time to breathe. So really, the rating comes straight out of that eight out of 10 Ben Webster records for me. And, you know, the value of a Ben Ben Webster record. I I mean, it's up to you. But uh, that versus funeral bration posters, uh, <laughs> blood drive packets. I mean, I'm just saying it's a good record. Yeah. I mean, the, the metric here may weigh a little more than the other ones do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Never thought about the intangibles and how they calculate into an overall rating, but that's okay. It's okay. But we would love to hear from all of you. Look, we've thrown a bunch of questions out in our podcast today. And this is a two-part episode from Felicity. And so I'm sure that there are people out there who have perspective on this topic, how it was handled, how it will be addressed. And we welcome any feedback on that or other things. So if you want to write into us, you can do so at themelissafish at gmail.com. That's Melissa with one L, two S's, themelissafish at gmail.com. Again, feel free to write to us with your thoughts or send in any Felicity fan art or anything that you want us to know or that you are open for us to share as feedback on this podcast. Also, if you want to follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Felicity Podcast. And if you're interested to find out when we drop these episodes, you can sign up for our newsletter. You can find a link in the show notes so that you can be informed when the next episode comes out. So that is uh, some of those details. And we are looking forward next time to finishing this, this uh, part, this first part of the conversation uh, that we just started today in drawing the line part two. It's, it is the first two part episode that we'll see on the show. Won't be the last. I think it was a good idea to do that for this topic. Uh, It really lets us give it the attention it does, or at least more attention. If it's all the attention it deserves, I don't know, but we'll get a part two nonetheless. Having said all that, Fish, is there anything else that you wanted to mention before we close out here? Nope. I think that's about it for me. Sounds good. Well, guess that's it for today. Until next time, Fish, don't hook up with Ben while I'm gone. I'm a fish. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.